Wonderful Shabbat evening. Um, I'd like to begin by uh, giving you a, a heads up as to just where we are um, in, um, in the background where um, you may not know just by uh, being around the site. But we uh, were able to finish the first six chapters of uh, Coming Home, uh, Volume 3. And I also uh, wrote a new final chapter for Coming Home Volume 2, because I moved the final chapter in that book into Coming Home 3. In fact, it's what we're reading uh, and, uh, and using as the basis of this program tonight, and we have for several nights. Uh, after doing that, of course, the, the realization was that we have now covered enough of the prophecies, in fact, almost all of the major prophecies pertaining to fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim by Dod in year 4000, Yah, 33 CE. And the more we looked, the more obvious it was that there is just no doubt whatsoever. It's, it's blatantly obvious that yeah. Dod was the Passover lamb. Uh, so the choice was to do what my preference always is, which is, uh, this is fun. Let's continue to... Uh, pursue this, let's go deeper into the Mizmor and deeper into Yashaya. The fact is that Yashaya, the prophet Isaiah, and the Mizmor of Dod, the Psalms, are hand in glove prophetically. They, um, one explains the other. Uh, and so that was the, uh, the desire, but it wasn't right. Um, the right choice was to go back and to edit all 27 volumes so that they correctly reflect um, what we have learned about Dode and so that we finally absolve ourselves of any mention of Yosha. Uh, 
the difficulty is I've got nothing wrong. There's nothing that I've got against the name Yosha. Uh, it's a wonderful job description. It's a marvelous uh, identity designation. It means uh, yeah, it was saved. Uh, but the fact is there was no one named Yosha uh, in the first century CE. There may have been somebody that chose that name, but uh, our Savior, the Passover lamb, uh, the soul that fulfilled uh, matzah is the most well-known of all Hebrews of all time. His name was Dod. And so we need, I need to remove that. But fortunately, um, I do not work alone. We have a wonderful team of uh, publishing, editing, fact-checking. And uh, we decided that we would uh, edit the three volumes of Babel first. Um, I did a fairly significant rewrite of Babel 1, which is the book on uh, Daniel. Uh, I learned a lot in, the, in writing Ezekiel and was able to uh, phrase things a little better and going back. And I did a complete redo of Daniel 9. In fact, the mm -hmm. Daniel 9 chapter now is one of the most insightful you'll find uh, anywhere uh, pertaining to the fulfillment of Chag Matzah and then Kippurim, year 4,000 and 6,000 Yah. Uh, it turned out to be a great uh, and enjoyable exercise. And then we're able to complete uh, uh, Babel, 3, uh, Babel 2 and Babel 3, the two books on Ezekiel, uh, fairly expeditiously. Um, and that's amazing because, you know, they're average 500-plus pages apiece. Right. Uh, then the next we decided we would do is Coming Home. Um, since that is the series where we came to this uh, realization, not so much that Dode was the uh, Pesach AL. Uh, we've, since that was true for a very long time, it's the understanding of why he wanted to do it and why Yahweh agreed uh, to it. And so it made sense that we go back to volume one of Coming Home. And uh, the team... Um, has a whole checklist of of words that, that they reference that they put in burgundy and that uh, then I go through the chapter and uh, and try to um, rewrite it based upon what we've learned unfortunately and I think D you uh, you and Leah had a, a long talk about this uh, after you have been yeah. through all of these rewrites and you go back to the first volume of coming home uh, it's uh, wow! It's it's um, it's like you went back in time uh, ten years. Um, mm -hmm. It uh, well, everything that I wrote was true, uh, and everything that I wrote was uh, was reasonably well written. Um, I read these things from the perspective of of having recently uh, edited uh, questioning Paul. I assume. Uh, because I, um, I spent way too much time showing how these Mizmor were exposing and condemning Shaul, Paul, the uh, author of an inspiration for most of the Christian New Testament. But that's not the purpose of coming home. The purpose of coming mm -hmm. home is reaching out to Jews, Yehudim, introducing right. them to Yahweh, introducing them to their Messiah's Dode, introducing them to the Son of God, who is Dode. 
uh, telling them uh, that Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, Shavuah, have been fulfilled. And they were fulfilled in 3,000 Yah. And to explain how it is their religion who deceived them by not only denying that they were fulfilled, but having Rabbi Akiba come up with a false messiah uh, to try to explain away what actually happened in 33 CE. And so they, it was a complete rewrite. Uh, awesome. Now, the, the good news about that is now that the, mm-hmm. the opening three chapters, which I've gotten through, I'm about 100 pages into it, are now laser beam focused on our target audience. Yes, we're very delighted when, when a Goyim listens to this program, read these books, decides to join Yahweh's family. Yahweh's thrilled. I'm thrilled. We're all thrilled. Our mission is to make certain that every Yahud and uh, Israelite that Yahweh is interested in knowing and spending eternity with is given the information they need to know who Yahweh is, what he's offering and expects in return, to appreciate who the Masiach is and the Ben Elohim, son of God, uh, the Pesach El and the shepherd, all the same person, Dod. That is our mission. We do not want Yahweh and Dod coming back to an empty room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want uh, Yom Kippurim, and they want Yom Kippurim to contain everyone who is open to and willing to uh, know Yahweh and his son. And so it is enjoyable to get it repositioned correctly. And oh my, when you go back through Mismore 1, 2, 3, and 4, with the understanding that there are three comings, three lives of Dode, oh, they It's profound. <laughs> they sing to you. It really is a wonderful experience. So what I would expect is that sometime within the next week, it is likely that we will get the first six volumes of uh, Coming Home 3 published on the website. I think there's one more chapter to do a final edit, pass on, and then we'll get that published on the website. Um, I'm expecting that, uh, in fact, I know that Babel 1, 2, and 3 have been... um, uh, re-edited and republished both at Amazon and on the website, and that um, the team is uh, busy now editing the uh, the work that I did to rewrite the first hundred pages of Coming Home. So we'll continue to progress in uh, in doing this. After Coming Home one, I'll do Coming Home two, and then an introduction to God one, two, and three, and then I'll start with the Yada Yah series, Observation, and the last thing I plan to do is questioning Paul in terms of this realization. So that's where we are in the process. Um, next thing is that I wrote a concluding statement to Babel 3 that was probably my, uh, my favorite concluding paragraph of any book or series that we have written. But it had a line in it that I guess has caused some consternation among some of the covenant members, uh, which suggests you know, that you know, not only are you going to join us but will there be anyone in, uh, in Shamaim that is part of the covenant family that can turn to you and, and uh, say that to a significant degree they're, they're here because of, of what you shared with them? And uh, so that's caused some other people to say, well, man, I need to up my game. 
and that's that wasn't the intent. We have so many wonderful contributors to the Covenant family, and there's so many ways to uh, contribute, and everybody has uh, different demands on their lives. Uh, we're really not out to be uh, out promoting Yahweh's message as we are just to make it available. Um, so I do have, though, a suggestion. And uh, I've started this now eh, about 10 days ago. Uh, I decided to go ahead and register for uh, Jerusalem Post. And so it's jpost.com. Um, and the reason I did is because the Jerusalem Post has the best um, comments. It's not a chat room. It's just comments on the articles and then the ability to um, interact with those who have made comments of any news site that I have been part of. And, you know, I recognize that the Jerusalem Post is a liberal periodical. But for the most part, I think they do a decent job of reporting news in Israel. It's the first newspaper I read every morning. It's the last newspaper I read every day. Uh, and so I decided that I would register. I registered under Yada Yah. And I've probably made 40 posts over the last 10 days, maybe six to eight uh, even today. And I've been pleasantly surprised by the uh, response. Uh, I know I'm very critical of the Haredim. I think that they're parasites. I think they're uh, hypocrites. Um, and so I'm openly critical of the Haredim. I'm uh, openly critical of progressives. And um, so when you express views that are um, are uh, that yeah um, strongly uh, uh, worded with conclusions like that, you would expect that you would uh, have some serious uh, pushback. But uh, thus far, no. I you know I get when I write something uh, that is opposed to the Haredim, it's about a a quarter of those who post on the uh, in the Jerusalem Post are Haredim. Uh, they always say they. Um, uh, they dislike it, but none of them are um, are adventurous enough or literate enough uh, to respond. Uh, there's a Christian on the site that uh, I love to toy with, uh, but he's 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 not he's not sparring material. He's just really really dumb. Uh, but it's fun <laughs> to point out his errors for for the others that are reading the the chat room. And there are – our target audience in Israel is not the, the 30 to 40 percent of Israelis that are progressives. Um, they are way too political and too indoctrinated and too unwilling to be judgmental for Yahweh's message to resonate. And it's not the 30 or 40 percent that are ultra-Orthodox, particularly the Haredim. Very few of them are even around the Internet. Um, and they're, they're religious zombies. So you're not going to uh, register with them either. But there, that leaves 20 to 30% of Yisraelites uh, that you can re- resonate with, that you can have a communication with. You can, you can convey Yahweh's testimony in such a way that they find it interesting if you engage them thoughtfully on whatever the subject is. And that's the key. You can't go in there as an evangelist, if you will, using the stupid Christian term. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But you can't go in there 
uh, as uh, promoting yada yada and say, you know, go read this and, and copying the website. That's not what I do. I always engage on the subject. I always respond directly to what someone else has written or I make a point that is directly on the subject and then toss in something that leads people to to think about who Yahweh is and who the religious are and the like. And so I would encourage more of our listeners to go to jpspost.com, uh, register, uh, and uh, and um, contribute. You know, I, yeah. I've told people for a long time, the worst thing you can do is to, uh, is to contribute by by simply uh, copying and pasting what I have written or by directing people to what I have written. To, if you're going to engage like that, you need to own the material. Uh, you've got to convey it as if you wrote it, that you know it, that you own it, uh, and make certain that you're, you're speaking in a manner that's consistent with the Iowa's approach to uh, politics, which is less politics is better politics. Right. But we're still dealing with Israel. It's the only country where I would actually be supportive of the military uh, mm-hmm. because the Muslims around are trying to uh, eradicate them. So it, it's something yeah, to uh, consider. At this point in time, that's all they have. Yes, it is true. All right, so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about in the news. These are all uh, Jerusalem Post articles. I was shocked to learn that the Ukrainian Secret Service attempted to assassinate Russian President Vladimir Putin. They sent a drone uh, to a, um, an industrial park where he was scheduled to speak uh, with uh, U.S.-made um, explosives, uh, 17 kilograms of explosives uh, all total, uh, of a type that is ma- uh, manufactured only in the United States and Canada, and had uh, it succeeded they would have killed Vladimir Putin, um, which uh, would have been among the most disastrous moves in the history of a country that is completely out of control. Uh, next item in the news is that the, uh, the right in Israel uh, finally uh, pushed back somewhat. Uh, they had uh, a rally in Jerusalem. Uh, 200,000 uh, people showed up. Uh, it's hard to have 200,000 people show up for a, uh, um, a rally oh, okay. and underperform, yeah. but they did because uh, the promoters had a little Trumpism in them, and they billed it as the uh, Million Man March. Well, 200,000 is a lot of people to have show up for a rally, but it's one-fifth of a million. Uh, the, uh, the biggest problem they had is they, uh, including... Benjamin Netanyahu, they referred to themselves as uh, as being tired of being second-class citizens since the uh, the progressives and the liberals uh, rallying in Tel Aviv were getting all of the news and all of the attention. They felt slighted, so they had this rally, that, and it was in favor of judicial reform. And yet there was very little discussion about the proper way to proceed with uh, judicial reform. Um, I did write a number of posts regarding this, and um, Israel has a serious problem with their uh, high court, 
which is that there is no constitution, no Bill of Rights. And so about 10 years ago, the um, high court got to be exceedingly liberal and invasive and started uh, ruling based on their politics any subject that they wished to, including striking down the laws that the Knesset was uh, making, but without any basis in doing so. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court is limited to a single document. All they can do is make a ruling based upon um, the U.S. Constitution. Does it, uh, is it supported by the U.S. Constitution? Is it contrary to the U.S. Constitution? That's all they've got. In Israel, there is no Constitution, and there is no Bill of Rights. So my uh, recommendation to Israel is, since you are having now 75 years of difficulty writing a constitution, then if you want to pass judicial reform, at least establish a Bill of Rights. That's a good starting place. And that's the compromise. Let people know on a Bill of Rights that they can choose of their own volition to be secular or religious. They can choose to be straight or gay. They can choose to marry or divorce. They can choose to immigrate or, uh, or not. Um, I, but their rights are protected because those rights are guaranteed in a Bill of Rights. Uh, and it would go a long way to forming a compromise that everyone could live with within uh, Israel. Uh, but the biggest issue, of course, that Israel has is a separation of sectarian and secular. Uh, with the Netanyahu coalition, the religious want to be granted all manner of, uh, of special uh, situations where they're paid money to be religious uh, and they uh, uh, don't have to work and they don't have to serve in the military. And these things are tearing the country apart. Uh, so... Uh, it is a, a serious issue, and, and because the Netanyahu, Netanyahu government has not gone after judicial reform in an intelligent way, uh, Netanyahu's popularity has plummeted. Uh, now, Benny Gantz is, uh, is oh, like seven or eight uh, Knesset seats uh, ahead of the Likud party, uh, which it dominated at the, uh, the last election. So not, uh, not turning out well for Israel. One of the reasons that the rally, however, was uh, a lot fewer people than they expected is there were no black suits at the, uh, the rally. The Haredim stayed away. The Haredim didn't stay away because, well, they were busy doing something else because, of course, they weren't. Uh, they don't work. Uh, it wasn't because they don't do uh, group. They, they, you know, you tell the Haredim to, uh, to jump and a thousand of them will jump off a cliff. Uh, no, that wasn't the reason. It wasn't that they were uh, opposed to judicial reform because they really want judicial reform. No, the reason will kill you. A Haredim newspaper the day of the rally wrote an article that said that any Haredim that, uh, that already uh, member, that's the black suits, ultra-Orthodox Jew, that attends the rally is excommunicated from the house of God. And the reason is that in Judaism, only the rabbis can make a political statement. Only the rabbis are qualified to make any decision in this regard. 
So only the rabbis can engage in politics, and the people, because they don't know as much as the rabbis and are too dumb, have to just go along with whatever the rabbis tell them. So you have a religion that says you have to stay home because you have no free will, and you're such a moron that you ought not show up. And because you're so stupid, if you do show up, you're excommunicated from this religion. So I had a field day with that. Bad. <laughs> but that is indeed what they wrote. You should go check out the article at JerusalemPost.com and read what the uh, Haredi publication uh, told. Uh, it's uh, faithful as to why they should uh, not attend and what would happen to them if they did attend. I've been reading a number of articles on uh, the uh, young boy, uh, Teixeira, that uh, uh, is um, accused of, of uh, disclosing the U.S. Um, classified documents that are really exceed- exceedingly embarrassing. I go back to the same thing with, uh, with all exposed documents including the Hillary Clinton emails that uh, probably had an effect on her losing that election against Donald Trump. Uh, If you're embarrassed by people disclosing your emails and your documents, then you shouldn't have written them. It Mm -hmm. it isn't. You you have no right to complain that my privacy was invaded and you shouldn't know that I'm a hypocrite. And of course, that's the issue with the United States. You know, to say that they violated national security by releasing these documents is to say what we had to say in those documents is so embarrassing that it, uh, it negates our credibility. It's harder for us to fool you and lie to you as a nation if you know what we really think. That happened to be the uh, Tucker Carlson uh, issue, by the way, uh, for those who – uh, listen to Tucker Carlson. He was the most, I think, he's the most pop, uh, popular show on uh, on television yes, uh, in was. terms of uh, of a commentator. He was uh, so Fox News fired their single most popular host, and the reason they fired him is that they uh, they lost. Well, they didn't lose. They settled a, a nearly eight hundred million dollar uh, suit uh, against uh, uh, where Dominion voting machines had sued them because uh, they had their program hosts had trumped the message that the Donald had that the machines were controlled by the Chinese and that they weren't uh, reporting votes correctly. Now, to make that kind of a statement, so long as you're clever about how you say it and say, you know, there's some concern that the software could be invaded that somebody uh, the machines maybe aren't as legitimate as they should be and there's always an internet bozo out there that's got an article that uh, says that some expert has uh, proven it uh, and, and you can say it but what you can't do is what Tucker Carlson did which is in all of his private communications and texts he made a mockery of what he was saying saying of course it's uh, it's not true the machines are just fine uh, you know, and, and with profanity-laced texts, he, uh, he admitted that he knew what he was reporting on his program was false. And that you can't do. And that's yeah. why he was fired. That's why uh, they settled the, uh, the case is that Tucker Carlson's private communication did him in. Now, 
one of the things that I'm bothered by on all of that is that uh, I, I probably listen to 20 or 30 of Tucker Carlson shows. So I, I'm not an expert on Tucker Carlson. But of the 20 or 30 shows I've listened to, I'd say 10 of them were bold, uh, well-researched, uh, and he said things that nobody else is saying. His position on the U Ukrainian war, while only about um, 1% as, uh, as conclusive as my own or as well-researched as my own, at least he is the only popular television host who is opposed to the war. I, uh, I applaud him for that. And he is typically the lone host that will go after the liberal media and liberal politicians' hypocrisy as it relates to the way they um, manipulate the news and, uh, and act. Uh, at least 20%, 30% of the shows that I watched were forthright. They were really good. And uh, about a third, he was uh, with a very shrill voice. He was just annoying. It's not so much what he said was uh, untrue. It's just that why in the world is he saying it? It's not, not entertaining. It's not informative. And about a third was kind of down the middle uh, for a, uh, a television host. Uh, so I would give him a, uh, an A minus in terms of a quality um, uh, host in this regard, a uh, newsmaker. But mm -hmm. when you read his or you listen to his programs in favor of Donald Trump, and then you read his text where he says, I hate the man's guts, you know you're dealing with, uh, with a hypocrite, and hypocrisy is a problem. The biggest issue, though, is that while I don't think there is a, uh, a anti-Semitic bone in his body. I don't think he's an anti-Semite by any means. The ADL wants to find anti-Semites and anyone who isn't exceedingly progressive and liberal. And so they're applauding his dismissal in such a way that you read their comments and it makes you want to puke as to how many anti-Semites are being manufactured by the ADL because of its exceedingly liberal stance and exaggerating uh, uh, things against anyone whose conservative politics they do not like. But as it relates to uh, Jashir, I was, uh, I was uh, reading what their, the propaganda ministry is now putting out, that uh, he wanted to kill lots of people and that, that uh, he had Russian paraphernalia around his bedroom. Now, he had one pen that was a Russian pen. Most of his paraphernalia was camouflage. He just loved playing army. He lived uh, in a room uh, wallpapered in camouflage and camouflage netting and <laughs> had a gun safe uh, right by his uh, bed. I mean, this kid loved, uh, loved playing army. Uh, and, and that's one of the real problems because he did have a social media presence and uh, said things that clearly were, um, were inappropriate for a mm -hmm. young man to say. And yet he was given an exceedingly high um, uh, clearance to have access to secret U.S. documents, which tells you that the U.S. military does not know how to vet anyone, and it wouldn't have been difficult. All they would have had to do is go to his Facebook site to know these things. So it is a, um, it's a real embarrassment to the U.S. government, not only what he posted, but also um, uh, 
embarrassing to them because of what they uh, they actually wrote, but also in their betting. We had a, uh, a conniption fit uh, against a, um, uh, a European uh, Union uh, uh, politician. Uh, her name is von der uh, uh, Lands. Uh, she wrote uh, a uh, congratulatory message to Israel on uh, Israel's 75th birthday, and she used the frame, the phrase, uh, you are to be congratulated for making the desert bloom. Uh, common phrase uh, associated with uh, Israel, uh, and mm-hmm. they have. Uh, the Israelites are not only exceedingly industrious in this regard uh, and uh, exceedingly proficient at, uh, at farming, um, their water management techniques are the best in the world. They have not only figured out how to maximize the use of the watershed of the, uh, the Galilee uh, and how to turn what was an infested, uh, mosquito-infested swamp in many areas uh, into a great source of water that is judiciously used, but their drip irrigation is the best in the world. Um, and so they have made the desert bloom. And, uh, and if you look at what Israel was in 1948 when uh, Jews were allowed back into their homeland versus what it is now, it, it's, you know, it's a magnitude of 100 to 1 superior. Uh, but the yeah. Pakistanians had a conniption fit and said, by you congratulating the uh, Israelis for making the desert bloom, you have been, you are a racist, and you must uh, uh, resign oh from your gosh. position and deny your comment because you're implying that we weren't here uh, previously and that it wasn't our land. Wow. Wow. These boys are lost. Speaking of lost, do you know that in San Francisco, homicides, murders soared 83% through March of this year? 83%. You know, if your homicides have, have soared 83% in the first three months of the year, you have a serious problem. The progressive policies of San Francisco are not working. You know, you need to fire every politician, everybody in, uh, in leadership in your Justice Department, and start over again. Truly amazing just how destructive progressives have been mm-hmm. on, uh, on matters uh, like this. All right. With uh, this said, I'm going to uh, turn back to where we were uh, at uh, Captain Kirk's insistence. Uh, we, uh, we jumped out of Good where we me. were into the, uh, the 22nd Mismore um, because it is so evident, overwhelming, that Dode was the uh, Pesach AL, and that's a big deal. I mean, knowing who made that sacrifice on behalf of his people is a really, really big deal. And so we were had reached uh, uh, Mismore 22, 8, or excuse me, 9 and 10, which I'll rephrase uh, this evening and then continue to, uh, to comment on them. I made a comment, however, that uh, turns out I was right. Uh, it was 
one where uh, where Leia in particular says, "Nah, I'm not buying that. There's no way that's uh, that's true." And uh, and <laughs> I said, "No, nah, I'm I'm really convinced it's true." And she says, "We'll you'll never be able to prove it." She says, "You're right. I'll never be able to prove it, but I know Dote. I've spent 22 years now studying the man. I know him. I know how he operates." Uh, um, there's more to him volunteering to be in the PSOC AL than just uh, he uh, needed to earn the respect of his people. And what mm-hmm. I said was that Dode made a deal with Yahweh. Um, and his deal with Yahweh is, I'm going to do this, but I want, I want a, a favor. I want what I do to apply to uh, Absalom. Absalom. Mm-hmm was the son that rebelled against him, uh, who was uh, killed. Uh, and he rebelled against him because of something Dode did. Um, uh, when um, Dode's eldest son raped his, uh, his daughter, uh, Dode didn't intervene and, uh, and uh, chastised him for it. And so uh, Absalom, who's, who's, it was his sister, uh, went and uh, defended her honor and killed uh, Dode's firstborn son. Uh, and so Dode really had himself to blame, at least to a significant degree, with how th- things transpired. And he, he dearly loved uh, Absalom, even when Absalom was doing things he never should do. And so you'd start with, what is Absalom's name? Ab, father. My father is Shalom. Keith. So mm-hmm. father... Uh, reconciles. So my position is that uh, that Dode would have said, as part of me carrying the guilt of my people into Sheol to deposit it there, I want Absalom's uh, as well. I want to carry his guilt because I'm responsible to some degree for what happened and I love my son. I want to redeem him too. And I am certain wow. that the love of a father uh, for his son, uh, both with Yahweh and his son, Dode, and Dode and his son, Absalom, that they reached an agreement. And the reason I know this is that the third Mismore is dedicated to Absalom. And it speaks of Dode serving as the Pesach AL and fulfilling matzah uh, to reconcile the, uh, these issues. So I do think that uh, that was part of the equation. And it is so perfect for Dode to want to do this. It is so mm-hmm. perfect for Yahweh to, to agree uh, to, um, to allow it to occur. Uh, it was a magnificent sacrifice that Dode offered to make, and I think um, I think it's I think it was a reasonable request under those circumstances. So anyway, I think uh, I think that was right. I think there's another reason, therefore, that uh, Dode fulfilled this role. He he had a lot to redeem: his own reputation, that of his people that of his son. Um, so uh, it's, it's easy to see why he chose to do this. All right. Uh, here's uh, Mismore Psalm uh, 
22, 9 and 10, it reads, Before you, I was cast out of the point of origin as an act of compassion and love. From the womb of my mother, you are my God. Uh, very unique situation here. Uh, Dode has uh, been here twice already before, lived two lives, and uh, would live a third. And the second of the three, uh, he was uh, cast out of the point of origin. He had been with Yahweh in heaven for a thousand years at this point. And then from the womb of his mother, uh, he was born. He is the child who was born, the son who was given of uh, Yeshayah 9. This is one of maybe 20 references in the Psalms that affirm that he is the, the child who was born and the son who was given from my mother's womb. Uh, you are my God. So he was a unique situation. This soul, when he was born, because it was Dode's soul, uh, had a long, long, long history with his father and uh, knew him uh, personally uh, at, uh, at birth, which is uh, certainly unique among uh, humans. So during their uh, initial romp through the paddock, if you will, and I'm not saying that disparagingly, uh, Yahweh says, you know, I, I brought you out of the paddock uh, to tend my flock. It's likely that Dode and Yahweh first met when uh, he was shepherding sheep in Bethlehem. In fact, it's certain that they met while he was shepherding sheep in Bethlehem, uh, perhaps as early as five to seven years young. Uh, he was anointed at eight. Um, so uh, it, uh, it was probably uh, five to seven years old when uh, Yahweh said, this young man has all the characteristics I'm looking for. Uh, he would be introduced to us as the anointed Messiah, as I said, at eight years old. And it was then that the boy who had not known the love of a mother or the devotion of a father was embraced by the best of both. The Ruach Kodesh came upon him as his spiritual mother, and uh, Yahweh uh, became his father. Now that's a serious upgrade. Upon his return, uh, their father and son relationship was already well-developed, having spent the past 1,000 years together. And this time, at least initially, Dode would enjoy the love of his adoptive family. Since the Passover lamb had to be a descendant of Dode, based upon the prophecies, he uh, had to be a person. God isn't among Dode's seed. Sorry, Christians, but you've got a problem with that. Uh, recognizing then that uh, human, uh, human being was the only, a human being, is the only viable option, we are faced with the realization that it would have been impossible for him to be perfect in every thought, deed, and phrase. Therefore, the Pesach Ale, Passover lamb, be without fault, and this would be accomplished by observing the Torah, by being anointed with the Spirit, by being anointed with the Spirit and observing the Torah, even an imperfect individual is made to appear perfect before God, and that's what counts. Its purpose, purpose is to perfect the imperfect, and it applies to everyone, but most especially to Dode. He said as much, and we should take him at his word.
In this regard, there is no basis for the notion that Miriam, Mary, in the unlikely event that this would have been her name, was unmarried or a virgin. In Hebrew society, there were no marriage vows. A woman traveling with a man, living with him, and raising a family was either his wife or his concubine. Also pursuant to his reentry, by Dode, or using Dode's soul, his parents' genealogy was considerably less vital, which is why the prophets do not provide it. Now, for what it's worth, Miriam would not have been a good choice of names. It is from Mary and directly related to Mary Ba. I have a good friend who is named Mary, and she listens to this program. I'm not besmirching your uh, your name, uh, <laughs> my friend, but I do need to expose uh, uh, the origins of uh, of Mary. Uh, it is directly related, as I say, to Meribah, as in the waters of mm-hmm. Meribah. It means contentious, rebellious, and embittered, and it speaks of provoking strife. The secondary definition of Mary is gross and domineering battling. I can assure you my friend Mary is none of these things. And the birth mother of uh, Dode in his second coming was none of these things, which is why I do not think her name was Mary. Mary is actually from the verbal root mar'ah, to be disobedient and rebellious. Yes, it was also the same name of Moshe's sister. But in her case, since Yahweh struck her with leprosy, it appears to have been fitting. Should you wonder why Doth Nefesh couldn't just arrive and be inserted into a 30-year-old body and skip past this process, the answer is that to accept the guilt of his people, he needed to become familiar with them. Further, Even with the failure of Israelites to recognize him, it was important that they be given every opportunity to do so. So, while he was far from an ordinary Jewish boy, as is possible, he was born in the normal manner to a typical mother and father whose names we do not know and then lived among his people. By the way, Should there be any validity to the notion that Gabrielle met with uh, Dode's birth mother, then that conversation would have been entertaining. Because Gabrielle (laughs) is from Gabor and El. It describes Dode as the most courageous and compassionate man of God. So it would be something like this. Hi, Mom. I'm going to be your kid, even though... I'm also your great-grandfather 50 times over. You may have heard of me. Anyway, I'm going to be slaughtered as the Passover lamb, so don't get too attached. And that's actually the easy part, because come matzah, I'm going to hell. Chat again, saying nine months. See you later. Oh, wow. Okay. These thoughts dancing in our minds as we move on to the next statement. (laughs) We Uh then 
<laughs> we find that the then future and now past sacrificial soul is pleading with Yahweh, asking him not to abandon him. He recognizes that he is headed for a rendezvous with Satan, uh, the adversary, where he will be afflicted. He knows that nothing exists which can protect him from this ordeal. It is his destiny, and it is what he chose. And this, too, was necessary. We find that Dode is now speaking about the means to fulfill unyeasted bread. His soul was headed to the place of Rakok being severed and avoided, removed and separated. He was bemoaning Sheol, the lightless prison where imperfect spiritual souls endure eternity. Separation from Yahweh is the only appropriate penalty for those who have led others away from God. This means that without the perfecting implications of matzah, where our souls are unleavened from the fungus of religion and politics, the aforementioned sacrifice on Pesach, where we become mortal, would otherwise be counterproductive. Dode's soul asks of Yahweh, do not continually distance yourself from me by allowing your relationship with me to be severed for a prolonged period. Al-Rakak men ani. Do not actually recede from me, avoiding me beyond the needed period. With you sending me so far away from you, there is no return. It's the call stem, uh, which uh, speaks of uh, that which mm-hmm. is actual and literal. The imperfect conjugation, which speaks of that which is ongoing. And the juicive, uh, which is a uh, uh, either an indication that this is a statement that is negated or third will expressed in uh, third person, but there is no third person in this uh, comment. So it is a negated part of Rakat. So if the imperfect is negated, speaks of ongoing action, if you negate it, what do you have? Something that is not ongoing. So it's mm-hmm. a, it, there are some times where the conjugations are important and there's sometimes they are everything. If Dode had said, don't ever under any circumstance allow your relationship with me to be severed, then he could not have fulfilled matzah. Couldn't do that. Because no. matzah is about his soul being severed. So he has to have his soul's relationship with Yahweh sent to Sheol so that he is separated for the duration of matzah. But if his soul is separate it on an ongoing basis, if he's like every other arrival in Sheol that never leaves, then he isn't fulfilling uh, matzah. So the only possibility is for him to say, I understand that I'm going to be separated, but don't allow that separation to endure any longer than is necessary. And that's the way it was written. And it's why there is so much value to the Hebrew uh, stems and conjugations. So do not uh, continually distance yourself from me by allowing your relationship with me to be severed for a prolonged period because the oppressive confinement and anguish, Shara, is imminent. Sara is an exceedingly important word. 
it is not mm-hmm. only the basis of Mitzrayim. Uh-huh. No, the uh, mm-hmm. children of Israel were slaves in Mitzrayim. Yahweh, working through Moshe, freed them. He liberated them. So what did he liberate them from if Mitzrayim is a, uh, is, uh, a compound of, of uh, mah, which means to ponder the implications of being confined, being imprisoned, being anguished, being troubled, yeah. being oppressed, uh, and it's plural, so mitzra becomes mitzraim. So it's a many of those things. So we understand that the reason Yahweh uses mitzraim and not Egypt, the Greek uh, term, is because he liberated his people from being confined, from being controlled, from being anguished and troubled and oppressed. Secondarily, the exodus from Mitzrayim that has Sarah in the midst of it is also to be understood in the time of Jacob's troubles. The time of Jacob's troubles, troubles is from Sar. Same word. And it doesn't just speak of Yisrael being anguished and subjugated and oppressed, but also of the nation being confined, being restricted in size, which is the result of the imposition of the two-state solution. So it is exceedingly revealing there where Yahweh is also offering to liberate the children of Yisrael from the time of Jacob's troubles, where Sar is the bookend for these two opportunities for freedom. And in the middle of that, we have Dode saying, I know that I am going to experience Sarah, confinement and oppression. Uh, just please don't have it last any longer than what I've signed up for, which is during matzah. And so he endured it so that we wouldn't have to, so that Yahweh would equitably save his people from it. It's a very important word, particularly in this context. And for him to say it is imminent, personal, approaching, and near in space-time, tells us that he was about to, uh, to relinquish the body he was occupying as the Pesach Eel and be carried by the set-apart spirit into Sheol. It concludes by saying, and yet indeed, no one can help Azar. It's negated here by uh, Ain, so that there is no assistance here. I'm going to have to endure this on my own. Mm. So, first of all, thank God for the Hebrew language with its conjugations. Otherwise, this would have been both unbearable for Dode. He couldn't have volunteered to do it. And and with the imperfect, if it hadn't been negated, and the Rakok separation had been ongoing and continuous, uh, then Dode could not have um, fulfilled Mata. But with it being negated, it's the perfect explanation. When I put myself into the scene painted by Dode's words, and when I try to feel what he was experiencing at this moment, it strikes me that he wasn't complaining about enduring the horrific pain associated with 
Roman flogging, or even the excruciating nature of crucifixion. Pretty amazing. Instead, he was lamenting the anguish of his relationship with Yahweh being momentarily severed. It was thought of the eminent, unavoidable, and temporal distancing from his father in Sheol, the liar of Satan, that it would be so anguishing that uh, it, um, it was what he was dreading most, and yet he had volunteered for it. He wasn't telling God, don't... Um, Take the cup from don't, me. Yeah, the don't keep me out of it. I, I'm, not, I'm not reneging on my desire to do this. I'm just saying, make certain it's... it's <laughs> we have a deal here. I'm trusting you. You're trusting me. I, I want it to be as for as short a period of time as is uh, absolutely possible. Now, since Sarah serves as the operative verb defining the Israelite subjugation within the religious and political regime, as I mentioned, of Mitzrayim, it's obvious now that Dode was indeed presenting his matzah, Exodus, from Sheol as an intensely personal reenactment of the Yatza Exodus, his anguish, uh, or the, the Yatza anguish, uh, uh, Exodus of his people, the Hebrew word for Exodus is Yatza. He's equating the two. He wants the reader to acquaint the two. His anguish would come from Sarah being constrained and diminished, which is what happens in the black hole of Sheol, hell, and of being incarcerated. Uh, he, with Sarah, it would be distressing, emotionally anguishing, and painful. And during this time, he would be with the Sarah, the rival and competitor to uh, God's company, the adversary. Hell would be Sarah, vexing, a time of troubling tribulation and oppressive affliction. Hasatan, which is the Hebrew definition of uh, title, really, for the adversary, has long been Dode's rival. And Hasatan is far more Dode's rival than Yahweh's rival. With Yahweh, he is a useful annoyance. Um, useful in the sense he provides a viable alternative uh, to choosing to have a relationship with Yahweh. Uh, but, you know, it's a naval floss by comparison. Uh, so Hasatan's primary adversary is Dode. If if he can undo what Dode did in the minds of people, then he prevails. He can't undo what God did. But he can certainly um, convince people that Dode was not the Passover lamb, that Passover and Matzah and Bakurim were not fulfilled, uh, that Dode isn't returning, that Dode is dead and buried, as uh, the man that he possessed known as Paul would write. Mm-hmm. So he views Dode as his rival, and he has done everything he can to discredit Dode. He saw himself in competition with him for human souls. But as a result of what Dode has done, when he returns, Satan will be cast into Sheol, and he's going to remain. There he will experience sorrow, incarceration, being bound, constrained, and diminished. These are attributes of Sheol, which is essentially a black hole. 
by the way, the idea that after a thousand years Satan is going to be released, no. Can't Only happen. one person got Can't released. Happen. Yeah, that was Dode. There'd be no reason to uh, release uh, Hasatan. It's one of the many myths of, uh, of Revelation. Further, as we consider Sarah, it's the word that Yahweh used, as I shared a moment ago, to depict the time of Jacob's troubles. Uh, this suggests that Dode will have endured Sarah on behalf of his people, Yisrael, thereby earning the right to liberate them from their troubles on Kippurim. Dode's ordeal on behalf of Yisrael would be uh, karub, eminent, personal, unavoidable, and near. At a place and moment in space-time of a location and duration from the perspective of the participant, bad things were going to happen. Dode knew it. A hellacious price would be paid to honor Yahweh's matzah promise to perfect the covenant family. Dode's nefesh soul would be laden with all of the guilt of every covenant member so that he would take it into Sheol and deposit it there. And with it removed from us, we also appear perfect in Yah's eyes. Dode's foreboding song reveals that on the cusp of being tormented by Satan, the Romans continued to humiliate him, ripping the flesh from the remnant of his body. And to think that for most Jews and Christians alike, it was for naught. That's the saddest part of this whole thing. It's as if yeah. the Passover, Passover uh, and unyeasted bread were never fulfilled. Um, grotesquely sad that uh, our Messiah shepherd and king the son of God was tormented in this way by uh, the most evil empire in the history of humanity Rome while his people stood by and watched and even when they stood by and watched, no one recognized him. The text reads, numerous, fiercely aggressive soldiers, bullish beasts of the aggressively attacking supernatural serpent surround me. They have besieged and crowned me in hostile fashion. Ms. Morsong, 2212. Um, Rome was famous for um, her uh, disgusting soldiers who um, were free to rape and rob and torment anyone. Uh, A bad day was when uh, a Roman legion showed up in your town. And here their might was focused on tormenting a single soul. The bullish beast of the aggressively attacking supernatural serpent, um, well, that would be the devil's uh, brood. Um, it's uh, always translated as uh, somebody from Bashan, but all you've got to do is look up Bashan in a Hebrew lexicon, and it's snake. It's rated to Bashana, which is also means shame, which is a metaphor for Satan. 
they surround me. They have besieged and crowned me in hostile fashion. You know, I do not know if the crown of thorns was uh, put on Dode's uh, head. Uh, it's, uh, it would be way too bizarre a story to make up because of the of uh, these um, uh, two references. You know, the the Passover lamb uh, on Mount Moriah that Yahweh provided for Abraham and for Yishak had its horns caught in a thorn bush and yeah. Here now, the Passover lamb uh, is mocked by uh, Rome um, with a, uh, a crown of thorns. Um, and here in the 22nd Mismore, uh, Dode talks about it. Yeah. Likely happened. You know, likely happened. I wouldn't uh, take any credence from the Christian narrative, but sometimes you read things in the story that are so bizarre that without basis, uh, you uh, you... Um, it's just no one's going to make it up. A beer here uh, is a clever choice of words because uh, it depicts fiercely aggressive soldiers. In the first instance, when modifying par, bullish beasts and wild asses, and then describes an aggressively attacking supernatural serpent when paired with Bashan in the second he would initially feel the sting of Roman warriors and then that of powerful Malak fighting on behalf of the adversary. Often worshipped as a sun god, Lord Baal was represented by a par bull, not only because of its strength, but because the sun crosses the constellation of Taurus the bull during Pesach Passover. For everything... Yahweh does, Shakar, as Satan's last name would be, has a counterfeit. Therefore, to redeem his people, Dode's soul would have to endure the worst tortures that the Roman Empire and Satan and his full cadre of demons could muster. Either way, these were fierce fighters capable of inflicting painful injury. And also keep in mind that the children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness for a singular reason. They continued to be too religious to go into the promised yeah. land. And their first act of religiosity was to build this, what is called a, in most English translations, a golden calf. It was a golden bull. And the reason they built the, uh, the crafted the bull is because the Apis, the bull cult, was the foremost cult among the pharaohs. They were slaves of the pharaoh. And so Yahweh releases them, the real God, uh, releases them from Mitzrayim, and the first thing they do is they build an, an image of the very pharaoh God, God yeah. that the pharaoh who had enslaved them and abused them um, used as a ruse. It, it's exceedingly sad. And it's exceedingly sad that while it is patently obvious that the reason that Moshe had to herd disgruntled and cantankerous Jews around the wilderness for 40 years is because he couldn't get the religiosity out of them. They were so religious they could not be allowed to infect the promised land in that mindset, and yet Jews date their religion back to the time of Moses and claimed that, well, they were given the oral 
Torah at the same time, which is, of course, utter nonsense. No, yeah. they, they were actually kept out of the promised land for 40 years because they were religious. The religious, which was, is the very thing that was holding them back. As they were ripping the body of the Passover lamb to shreds, tearing it apart with their whips, and his soul felt the burning sting of every lash. Those anguish on behalf of Israel and the covenant family was no less torturous than being flayed alive. Second only to crucifixion, it was the most abhorrent way to die. And while Romans inflicted the carnage, not a single Jew lifted a finger to spare their Messiah and King of the needless anguish. Passover lamb needs to die. It's never supposed to be tortured. A painless death would have sufficed, but not for the Romans. Even as a church, they love torturing Jews. Long before these sadistic implements of pain were conceived, Dode wrote of what he would experience. Blood would have dripped from his pen. Sarah conveys mangling of the flesh by ripping it from the body with sharp objects, providing a poignant yet accurate description of the abuse inflicted by 50 lashings of a metal barbed whip which was Rome's approach to those they perceived as threats to their supremacy. All of a sudden now, it, uh, it does make sense as to why Rome would seek to crucify him. You know, this notion that the uh, Jewish religious leaders uh, turned him in and, and they uh, negotiated with uh, Pontius Pilate and convinced Pontius Pilate that he had to die. The Jews were there for the schemers. Is that nonsense? Um, the religious community in Israel was doing everything they could behind the scenes and in public letters to get Pontius Pilate dismissed. Yeah, he was no friend of the religious, and the religious hated him. And so they were not going to have a powwow. If the religious wanted something uh, and they went to Pontius, they, Pontius Pilate, they would have got the opposite. So there is – yeah, Pontius Pilate was there at the time. And uh, Dode was, uh, was no doubt crucified, which was their way of doing uh, away with uh, the most egregious uh, um, threats to them. And the number one way to be a threat is to claim to have been a king. Dode is the king of kings. And so it is apparent why Rome would have crucified him. Removing muscle tissue from Doe's shoulders, back, chest, arms, and legs was insufficient by Roman standards. Our great hero would go on to describe the most horrid form of execution ever conceived by man. Five centuries before crucifixion with ropes was invented by the Assyrians, and 700 years before it was perfected by the Romans to include nails, Dode previews its piercing violence. We're about to discover that his prophecies are painfully precise. So that you'll be able to more fully appreciate what follows, 
one of crucifixion's most telling attributes is that it causes the victim's body fluids to drain into their lungs, leaving them parched. While dying of thirst, they drown. Bones are not broken, but both shoulder joints and other major joints are dislocated. Oxygen depletion occurs because the victim is unable to stretch their diaphragm while hanging from their arms. This causes carbon dioxide toxicity in the bloodstream. This results in strength melting away, starting with the heart muscles. Now, we know all this today, but not 3,000 years ago, which is when these words were inscribed by Dote. That makes this depiction extraordinary. Not only in the sense that it was 500 years before crucifixion was invented, and 2,500 years before we would understand why it causes these symptoms, but because he was writing about what he had volunteered to endure. His physical mortality was ebbing away, he wrote. As water, I am poured out and weakened. And all of my most substantial bones are stretched. They are separated and out of joint. My heart is now like wax. It has melted, wasting away within my eternal organs. Like sun-baked dust, my vigor and strength are withered and have failed. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. So upon the dust of death, they have placed me, validating why I am here. That's true. It's precisely how crucifixion kills, right down to its most unique symptoms. The victim's inability to inhale robs their body of oxygen and thus energy causing coax, helpless incapacity to perform any needed function. Likewise, Yabesh in the association with Mia Ba Tawek describes a withering, paralyzed state in which the body no longer responds to the brain's motor function commands. The textual base of Sharet's Pashard is identical to Sharash, meaning to be silent while others plot evil, devising mm. a plan of action that cuts and separates. All the while, his expendable physical body, comprised of the elements of the earth, was broken, being deprived of the fluids, being drained into his lungs, suffocating him. Moeth is death personified. It is the disease that plagued us. Mm -hmm. Fully amplified, Moeth conveys the physical trauma of the body dying, the infection of a disease that causes death, and a judgment in which the penalty is a death sentence. It is derived from, and at the consonant root, it is spelled identically to Muth, those who are executed and dispatched to die. Mm. 
The body Dode's soul was still clinging to was in the final throes of serving as the Passover lamb. It would soon die and do so so that we would not suffer that same consequence. Then his soul would be laden with the corruption of his people and taken to Sheol, the place of separation in our stead. By bearing Yisrael's rebellion against Yahweh, he exonerated and pardoned his people on unyeasted bread. The character of overtly political and religious individuals hasn't changed over the years. They are still dirty dogs, and I'm not degrading canines. Addressing the Romans who became Roman Catholics, Dode declared, For indeed, the contemptible scum and abased yelpers have surrounded me. A politicized religious community providing the testimony of the disastrously corrupt establishes a destructive annual cycle, denigrate what I am doing. They bore into my hands and my feet. There is um, there are insights here that uh, should cause anyone who is religious to scream and walk mm-hmm. away. The politicized religious community providing testimony of the disastrously corrupt that establishes a destructive annual cycle to denigrate what I'm doing is equal parts Judaism and Christianity. In Judaism, the primary event that uh, an ordeal that Dode was going to endure, which is matzah taking our guilt and depositing it in Sheol, they no longer separate. It's no longer a mikra. It hasn't been a mikra in Judaism probably since um, the um, poison pen no. of Ezekiel. It's simply an ingredient. And so without matzah, there is no salvation. And then they go from from these things, and they, they'll have an annual event called Purim, which is based on the book of uh, Esther, and a, an event which is incredulous, never occurred. They'll celebrate Hanukkah based upon an event with the Maccabees that was an internal civil war, never occurred. They will take Teruah, which is our time, to be heralds for Dode, to speak of what he has done and what he will do for his people so that they avail themselves of his return on Kippurim and they've turned it into the Babylonian Rosh Hashanah. And of course they have denied that Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim have been fulfilled. And they have inverted Kippurim so that rather than a day of reconciliation, it's a day of tormenting and harassing one's soul. I would say that is uh, up there at uh, the 9.9 and disastrously corrupt establishing of a destructive annual cycle to denigrate what I'm doing. Yes, I agree. 
But the world's most popular religion, the religion that has tormented Jews for longer than any other, uh, established what they called was Good Friday. Yeah, boy, it's good to kill a Jew. And then we're not going to even mention what happens on the Shabbat and the fulfillment of matzah because, well, we don't want to even speak of the Shabbat. We have our Sunday. So we're going to have the Passover lamb bodily resurrected. And then we're going to give him a new name. He's going to be Jesus. And then we're going to give him Dode's title, uh, Messiah, which they then made into Greek as Christ. And then we're going to give him Dode's standing with God, which is the Son of God. Talk about establishing a destructive annual cycle because they would make this their high holy day with Easter week every year. Naming the holiday after Eshtar, the queen of heaven and mother of God in the Babylonian and Assyrian religions. Congratulations. Here's your sign. You are irritating and stupid. And then they bore into my hands and feet. That comes from Hev Psalms, which has Ka'aru, a variation of Kara, dig, bore, pierce, while the Mesoretic text has Kareri, like a lion. Ka mean like, and A-R-Y, a lion. My hands and feet. Well, these canines, they would be wolves, Roman and Pauline. Mm -hmm. Over time, their Um, unifying political and corrupt religious testimony would create a new cycle of events from Easter to Christmas. In so doing, they would completely denigrate Dode's sacrifice. There would be no provision for Chag Matzah on the religious calendar of Christians or Jews. By denying Dode's great sacrifice. They would preclude their own participation in the covenant while blocking their path to God. The enormity of what he had done for the overwhelming preponderance of people was for naught. At least for the false witnesses. It was replacement theology at its worst. As the Romans struck their blows, pounding nails into Dode's wrists, which were considered part of the, uh, the hand in um, the first century, and into his heels, they ka'aru, bore through them, with primitive nails constructed of tapered iron rods. While using such crude implements in this excruciating fashion, was repulsive. It went right through the nerves of the wrists and the Achilles of the uh, between the heel and the ankle. It's hard to think about. Reprehensible. But there is a far greater crime here than uh, murdering the Messiah and Son of God, the Dote. He was there to die, but not there to be tortured. Right. If you're a Jew faithful to the religious traditions of rabbis, what I'm going to share ought to make you nauseous. 
To keep you from knowing that your Messiah Dode served as the Pesachael, rabbis altered the passage to read, like a lion, my hands and feet. This was not a mistake. It was done on purpose. All these many years later, even with the Dead Sea Scrolls found at Nahal Hever in 1950 and the Subtuadent confirming Ka'aru, boar rather than Ka'ari, like a lion, Jewish scholars are still unwilling to acknowledge that Dode, as a prophet, accurately described what he, as the great hero, endured. They argue in favor of a Mesoretic text. The last vestige of denial comes by way of suggesting that the writing on the 2nd century BCE fragment, you know, 150 years, almost 200 years before this occurred, over 1,000 years older than the oldest Masoretic text, is too faint to read with certainty. However, you can look it up online, as I have done. And you can see a picture of it yourself if you're still wondering who to trust. The word reads, the word ends, I should say, with a wa, not with a yod. The hands and feet of the Passover lamb were nailed to an upright pillar on Moriah during the 4,000th observance of the Mikra. But the Romans who did so were not the only criminals seeking to negate those sacrifice. Rabbis played their role too. Since what I'm claiming regarding this prophecy is easily verified and accurate, it means that Dode wrote that his hands and feet would be pierced five centuries before crucifixion was conceived by the Assyrians and 700 years before the piercing style of Roman execution. It also means that the most esteemed rabbis are liars who should not be trusted. Now that ought to be obvious. The authors of the oral traditions are deceitful men who are willing to alter God's testimony to suit their own personal agendas. Flee from them. Expose them. Rebuke them. Trust Yahweh and rely on Dode, not men. The prophet Zechariah, Zechariah had a great deal to say about Yahweh's role and uh, this sacrifice, and uh, even specifically what Dode had done. And since it is especially relevant to this passage, we'd be remiss if we didn't share Zechariah 12.10. Here's how it reads. And for a time, I will pour out upon the house of Dode. And for a time, I will pour out upon the house of Dode and upon those who dwell in Jerusalem a spirit of compassion and acceptance for those requesting mercy and clemency then they will be able to look to me. Eth 
Asher, accompanied by the one who they had reviled and pierced. And they will lament over him. Like one cries over the most uniquely special child and valued life. Anguishing and infuriated over him, consistent with the anguish suffered over Ha-Bakor, the firstborn. Wow. Oh, my. Uh, what does the Mismore 89 tell us about the Bakor? He's toad. What do all the Psalms tell us about this unique child who is the Son of God? He's toad. You know, the second half of this was such an enigma to me. I, I didn't understand it until I went back to retranslate it. Because everyone wants us to believe that they looked upon me who they have pierced. We didn't pierce Yahweh. Yahweh is incorporeal. All of Yahweh will not fit into our universe, much less into a human body. We can't right. pierce God. He's spiritual. But we could sure as hell pierce his son, and we did. And that's why this says, S. Ashar. To me, accompanied by the one who they had reviled and pierced. Toad. And why is it that Israel is going to lament? And I can't imagine anything that would cause a Yaud to cry more than recognizing that it was Dode, their Messiah, the Son of God, whom they pierced, who served as the Pesachael, who they have ignored, who they have denied. And all of this time, to know that Dode volunteered to do this, to carry their guilt into Sheol, and to deposit it there, and for his body to be tormented so that they might live. And to recognize that every Yahud, every Israelite that is there on the day of reconciliations when father and son return is there for a singular reason that they've accepted this gift that Dode has provided. Don't you think we're all going to be in tears? Absolutely. The man deserves our love, our our admiration, our respect. Every one of us who are there are going to be there because he volunteered to do this. It fundamentally changes our entire perception. We have known for a long time that God doesn't do anything alone if it's possible to do it through a person of his choosing. That's why I went to liberate the children of Israel from Mitzrayim with a broken-down 80-year-old shepherd that was had fled Mitzrayim because they were trying to kill him because he tried to defend a, a Hebrew slave. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I went with Moshe when 
building the ark, Yahweh didn't do it himself. He did it with Noah. When unifying his people and establishing Jerusalem as their capital, God didn't do it alone. He did it with Dode. When trying to guide his people through his the time that he would be born and the time that he would be anointed, God didn't act with Israel alone. He did it with Samuel. When God wanted to confront the prophets of Baal and Asherah, he didn't do it alone. He did it through Eliah. Well, there is no bigger event in the history of humankind than the fulfillment of Chagmatzah. Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, followed by Shabuah. For God to have done this alone would be completely out of character. It's true. And his son wanted to. His son volunteered. His son needed to do this for himself, for his people, for his son. And God recognized the argument that Dode was making on behalf of him serving as the fulfillment of Chagmasa was not only in his son's best interest. It was the only way to fulfill Chagmasa. Because the conclusion of Chagmasa is Bokorum. Firstborn children. Well, who is Yahweh's firstborn? It's Dode. There's no way to fulfill it without doubt. He knew it. Makes more God sense. God knew it. And here, then, in Zachariah, to read this, it's why I don't think you can be a Yehud. And I'm Goy, but I'm as, probably as Yehud as you can be mm-hmm. as a, yeah, uh, on, on the planet at the, uh, the time, even my though my DNA fulfills the prophecies that Yahweh has made about serving as his witness at this time, the fact is that I spend all day uh, as a Yehud. And to be, to have that perspective and to know that we stood by and allowed the Romans to torture our Messiah and King. And as bad as that is, we then denied that he had even fulfilled Pesach and Matzah on our behalf. Yeah. Um, and then to recognize that we're only there to celebrate Yom Kippurim because we finally accepted this reality. And it was the moment that um, I translated um, um, Zechariah 12 and saw my mistake every time I had been through it before, which is Eth Asher. Eth means with, Asher whom. Um, And that follows, look at me, accompanied by Eth Asher the one they had pierced. Uh, The moment I did that is when I realized that we were in for another rewrite. And, you know, it's such a joy to be associated with such wonderful people in this process 
because rather than saying, oh, my God, we just spent, you know, two, two and a half years of our lives rewriting everything. But um, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. If we learn something that is vitally important, we go back and we correct what we have stated so that it is consistent and true from beginning to end. And it is a joy to do so. And just the response of, of everyone who has been part of this, the opposite of complaints. It's a joy. (laughs) You You know, know, if I may go. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Even, even though, um, a lot of times when we first started doing this openly about Dode, there's the Masayaki's the fulfillment of Pesach and Matsu and Bukurum. Um, everybody said, well, we, uh, yeah, we don't want to lead with this. I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over that a week ago. I said, no, 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 this is, this is the story. This is the, are you kidding? You, you're trying to reach Yehudim. They know nobody should love Dode better than they. Yeah, and this yeah. is the lead story of, of a lifetime for me. I'm just yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, it's, it's it is the story of a lifetime, this. and it, it's the story of a lifetime, not because of who served as the Pesach Gale. Um and it isn't even that he wrote Mizmor 22 or we read Zechariah 12, and we see predictions of what he was going to do, validating Yahweh's inspiration, validating. Uh, prophecy, um, telling us we can trust what we're reading, which is profound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not just that the everything comes together in one picture, that the covenant is family, that Yahweh works yeah. through his family, that uh, there's nobody who is more important to Yahweh's family than Dode. You know, I, I wrote that, you know, Dode was, was every man. Dode was the most unique man. He was the man. He was every man. Uh, he was a most exceptional man. Uh, and that the more we appreciate this, the better. But the ultimate part of it is to understand the mindset of this man and the attitude of Yehudim and Yisraelites over the ages and why he volunteered to do this. It's the understanding of why. Um, he volunteered to do it, and why Yahweh agreed and enabled him to serve us mm-hmm. in this way, and what it means going forward to all of us. Yes. Yeah, it's the greatest discovery, I think, in, um, yes. in human Creed. history. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the greatest it's discovery the in human history. It's, 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 uh, and it's by the way, now. to say it's the greatest discovery of human history, it's... Yeah. You're not, this is not crediting the discoverers. It's crediting the one who did this and why he did it. And what it means to us. You know, it's one thing to discover where the Titanic sank and you say, well, that's well, I like the pictures. That's pretty cool. What does it do for you? Nothing. But this discovery, (laughs) it transformed your soul. It's the yeah. source of eternal life, of being perfected, of being adopted into God's family, of entering heaven and living forevermore as God's you know, asks, what is my son's daughter? name? And now yeah. we know. Well, and, 
Yeah. But it personifies a familiar, we, you said it from the start, familial covenant relationship. This is a yeah. family event, and it's done right. all by the family. My gosh. It yes. just closes all the gaps. I mean, wow. It does. I mean, it uh, does. It does, and it makes every prophecy, everything that Yahweh has said about Dote, that that uh, he gets the lion's share of the inheritance, that um, that he is my chosen one, that my criterion for choosing someone is different than uh, what uh, humans uh, choose, uh, that he is my Masiach, <laughs> he is the son of God, that he is the lamb, that he is the shepherd. He is the Zeroah both the Mm -hmm. protective shepherd and the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Moshe um, wrote wrote significant portions of the Torah and Dod lived it, lived the Torah more even than Moshe did. Yeah. Because his sacrifice is meaningless apart from the Torah. So, now you know why Dode wrote the 119th Mismor explaining every letter that was used to comprise the Torah. He would live it. And now you know why Yahweh says he's coming back, he'll be as brilliant as the sun. So this is, it is profound. I think we'll, we'll start here again uh, next week, right at uh, Zechariah 12.10. I'd like to share it again, and we'll, we'll talk about its implications a little more and then uh, continue through the, uh, the Mismor. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, too, that um, uh, from what we have learned now, Mismor 1, 2, 3, and 4 are a feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. They uh, they affirm the same story, and it's a it's the ultimate story for uh, Israel. Um, there's no aggravation over a Jesus, uh, a Christ, even a Yosha. Um, it uh, completely disembowels the religion that has been so caustic to Jews, Christianity, but it also destroys all of the credibility of Judaism in the process. So it's a clean sweep. Yeah. Um, you've, uh, you get to embrace uh, everything that you should hold dear. The man who exemplifies Yisrael, that united Yisrael, manned up and saved Yisrael. Marvelous story. Lovely. And uh, it's... Uh, its realization is the most transformational event in our lives. So it is a joy to be part of it, sharing it with you. And I thank you all for listening to our program this evening, and we'll be back with you this time next week. Kirk, uh, D, have anything you want to add before we um, we close out this evening? No, I, I, that, that says it all to me. It has been that transforming to me. I'm just, it's like, I, I don't have words. I'm yeah. just amazed by it all. And so glad. Yeah, it's wonderful to be at this point in time and to realize that our calling on Teruah wasn't just to call Yisrael home and back to Yahweh. It was to serve as our king's herald. We are here to herald his arrival. 
We're here to proclaim what he has done. Well, you know, you you wrote something. I'll give you I'll give you something before we go. Is uh, you wrote uh, a witness uh, provides restoring an everlasting testimony or enduring of Yahweh, and it includes sharing evidence information regarding Yahweh and eternal uh, existence and the plan for us, including the uh, official position, or I call it the written record, reconciliation and restoration and salvation and compassion in the relationship. And I thought, and that, I was impressed. I wrote that down and saw my little board chart thing. I, that's exactly what you're doing, and it's what we're all helping to do. And um, I'm just thrilled to be part of it, uh, you and Dee. And, uh, yeah, and there is a Jackie tremendous difference between, and, oh, being, okay. between so being a prophet yeah. and being a witness. We are witnesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at this time, being a witness is vastly more important and effective than being a prophet. If Yahweh had, let's say that Yahweh reneged on his promise and he, uh, he uh, had another prophet. He said, you know, that's the end. I'm, I'm done with prophets. And the last of the prophets was 2,450 years ago, almost 2,500 years ago with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Malachi. Uh, and so, and just prior to him was uh, Zachariah, whose words we were just reading here. And of course, Malachi ends by saying that one of those two witnesses is going to be Elia. Uh, doesn't yeah. name the other because that name would not have resonated with the uh, the audience because he had not yet been born. Uh, mm-hmm. When you recognize that that we have 2,500 years to validate the prophecies contained in those books and therefore can prove that Yashaya and Zachariah and Malachi and these Mizmor are true. I mean, here you're we're reading from a Mizmor that was written 700 years before the the type of execution it describes was even invented. In fact, it mm-hmm. was written 500 years before Rome even existed. Uh, <laughs> now, if God decided I want to go with another prophet, there's no way to validate that prophet's credentials. That person yeah. would be speaking out of his arse because... <laughs> Without yeah. a way to validate their credentials by being able to include prophecies of things that would be detailed and exacting that will be fulfilled in the future, there is no way to prove his credentials. Right. But as a witness, we're in an entirely different situation. We go to the prophets. That's why we translated here and just shared Jackie R. 12. That's why we're reading from this translation of Mismore Psalm 22, those prophets have been proven. So if we share with you what they have said and help you understand it in the context of what God has done and is doing, Dode has done and will do, then we're vastly more credible and effective than if God were to say, I want to have a new prophet. And he doesn't need a new one. He's told us far more about what has happened and what's going to happen than than any 10 people could process in a lifetime. So true. So it is vastly better to have a witness at this time, which is what Elia is going to be when uh, uh, he returns, 
than it is to have another prophet. God knew it. He arranged it this way. And I hope those of you who are listening will recognize that you have a huge advantage in this approach because of the way that we are translating Yahweh's testimony by always putting within the parenthetical the generic form of the words so that if you're reading it online, uh, you can go and copy and paste into your favorite search engine to validate its meaning and can verify for yourself if what we're conveying is true. Yeah. That's one of the advantages of the written word. Now, now here we're speaking to you, but, uh, you know, I'm, I've gotten into a, uh, um, a different routine. I uh, used to do this program completely extemporaneously. I would read the translations and then 100% of the commentary would be uh, off the cuff. And I liked it because you were, uh, every time you read Yahweh's testimony, you're inspired to see new and additional insights, and it's fun to do that way. But something happened about uh, four or five years ago where the seriousness of this responsibility is, is a witness serving Yahweh for his people. Uh, and the inspiration God has provided uh, to share insights vital to his people. I realized that the words that I was writing were far more important than any words I could speak. And that by writing them down, I gave the reader the opportunity to do what cannot be done with the spoken words, why I don't watch online videos. They're essentially impossible to fact check. Yeah. But the written word is not. Everything that I've written is available free in its entirety at yadayah.com. And you can take everything and fact check it. And that's essential. That's why Yahweh always tells his prophets, I want you to communicate in writing. That's why he instructed us in this uh, mission to prepare a sign, something that is written. So that's what we have done, and it is essential to you, for you, that you, if you're listening to this program, that you don't stop there. Go read the books. There. 27 of them are on the shelf, in addition to the three uh, uh, that I wrote uh, prior to uh, beginning Yada Yawa. They're all free in their entirety. You can read them on your phone, on your tablet. Uh, You can read them on your computer. If you want the paperback versions, they're uh, available royalty-free as are hardback versions from Amazon. Uh, And even in the e-books, you know, you can... Read this on a Kindle for, God, I think it's like 45 cents or 35 cents a, a, uh, a volume. So we're offering it freely to you. As Amazon doesn't print books for free or ship them for free, we're, they are royalty free. Right. We're, we're doing this on your behalf. We're devoted to Yisrael coming home, to knowing the truth about Yahweh, to embracing Yahweh. And when you read things like Zechariah 
um, there's an enormous satisfaction of being here at this time, having the privilege of sharing these words with you. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Covenant family members, may Yah bless. We'll have a uh, wonderful week. Hopefully there'll be some reports of some uh, some of you deciding they will register at uh, at uh, the Jerusalem Post, uh, dot com and um, join me and and uh, uh, posting within their uh, their comment section. Um, you know, again, our goal is not to save Jews or Gentiles. It's not to proselytize. It's not to preach. It's not to compel anybody to make a choice. It's to put information out that causes people to think and to let right. them know there's a place they can go if they're searching for answers. But you need to do it in a, in a, in a way that's, that's respectful of that platform. So if you do mm-hmm. it, make certain that if you're posting something, you're posting it on the subject, you're offering a useful insight, and that what you're writing will cause somebody to, to think and then uh, perhaps to follow up and to see, you know, again, search engines are powerful things. If you drop a hint, occasionally I'll drop Yahweh's name or I'm writing under yada yah. Uh, I'll say things that um, if you were to copy and paste into a search engine would take us to the site without ever giving the website. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, uh, do it respectfully in that. Don't don't be a, one of these badgerers. It's um, uh, it's the first thing you'll do is is uh, is turn people no off. Way, everybody. Yes, yeah. uh, as opposed to being thoughtful and encouraging people to uh, listen to what you uh, you have to say. We have a you wonderful never Shabbat. Never to be chosen. Yes. Yes. Be our choice, not our force. Yeah, here's the reality of, of what we're doing, is that Yahweh chooses. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is anybody that actually comes to know him that um, made that choice strictly on their own initiative. Right. Yahweh introduces himself to people he's interested in knowing, and then we have the chance to either follow up on that or not. And out yep. To create a wider pool of people that might be interested in knowing, if we convince people to do as Abraham and Sarah did, walk away from politics and religion, and consider listening to Yahweh, then we have made a great stride forward. Because right now, there are too few people in Israel who are even prepared to listen. So we do have, yeah. uh, we can do that. But then after that, uh, Yah's going to decide who he wants to invite into his family. <clears throat> and then our job is to have enough information available <clears throat> that they'll know how to respond. Yep. So yeah. that's where we are. Well said. All right. Well, you all have a wonderful Shabbat uh, Shalom. We look forward to being with you this time next week. This is very, very emotional material we're going over, Um, but it is also uh, heartwarming and uh, and exceedingly important and endearing. 
So with that, I leave yeah. you and say, may Yah bless. Happy Shabbat. Yeah. Shabbat Shalom, Yah. Happy Shabbat.